I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This past week, three of us elders attended the Basics Conference at Parkside Church in Aurora, and we, uh, we did what we always do when we go to the Basics Conference. We listened to all kinds of preaching and some spectacular singing. We ate like complete hogs the entire time that we were there. And we fellowshiped with a couple thousand pastors from all around, pastors and Christian leaders from all over the world, and it was just a wonderful time. But the primary thing that happens at Basics is the preaching, and we listened to one particular sermon. Uh, this was Alistair Begg, and he... Uh, he preached on Judges chapter 6, and he preached on the story of Gideon. And you'll remember that Gideon was, uh, was tasked by God, chosen by God to lead the children of Israel uh, in, uh, in, in array against the Midianites, their enemies who were uh, much superior and holding them in oppression. And Gideon was afraid, and he wanted to know for sure that God was really asking him to do that. And so Gideon chose a novel approach. He wanted to know, is this really the will of God? And so he chose this novel approach. And you can read about this in Judges chapter 6. But he, he basically, he prayed and he said, God, if this is really what you want me to do, then I want you to, I'm going to put a fleece out on the floor, and uh, I want you to make that fleece really, really wet, and I want the ground all around it to be dry. And God did that. That night, it was exactly that. Gideon was still afraid, and so the next night he said, Lord, if it's really, really your will, he said, I want you to switch that up now, and I want you to make the fleece dry and the ground all around it wet, and he did. And, of course, God just was answering Gideon's prayer and making his will crystal clear, and and that Old Testament incident is where we get the little phrase that you might have heard when someone is trying to determine the will of God, I put out a fleece. That's what's being talked about there. But is that the way? Is that how we determine God's will for our life, uh, you know, maybe we're trying to figure out uh, who we should marry. Is Gideon's right, uh, way the right way? Should we ask for some sign to guide us at a time like that? What about if we're trying to figure out our, our career or, or what job we ought to take or whether or not we ought to serve in some capacity in Christ's church? Uh, those kinds of decisions. What level of education or training we might seek in this life? Is that what we're supposed to do? Put out a place and seek some kind of a sign. If God's will is important, as the Bible clearly teaches us, then we need to have some means of determining it. How do we know and how can we be sure of God's will in our life? Well, I want to make just a few suggestions, and uh, hopefully they'll be helpful. The first suggestion is this. Some things are clearly defined in the Bible as being God's will. And therefore, you ought to be doing them. Make, make, make sure you're doing them. If the Bible tells us some things we ought to be doing or not doing, and we are not doing those things we ought or doing those things we ought not, then we need go no further. Was that clear as mud? If God has already spoken and said that something in, is his will, then why do we think we need to dig any deeper? We already know his will in those things. Several times in the Bible we find the phrase or the thought, this is the will of God. That's pretty clear. And so when we see that, we certainly ought to know what his will is, at least regarding those things. For example, your salvation is the will of God. 
says it over and over. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is not his will that any should perish. It is therefore his will that all should come to repentance. He, your salvation is the will of God. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, wills all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. This is the first importance. If you haven't cleared this part up, there's no sense praying and asking God, what is your will for anything else? This is the matter of first importance. And if you haven't got it right, you're stuck in the starting block. and You're not going to go anywhere. You're like the young guy that I remember watching in the demolition derby some years back. I was sitting in the stands and watching as this heat was coming in. And this particular individual came roaring in his engine, absolutely pegged at red line, I'm sure, and just screamed at that engine. He pulled in there, mud flying everywhere, and took his position. And the other cars came in right behind him. And the whole time the cars were coming in, the announcer was trying to talk. That guy had that engine just screaming the whole time and really just showing off. And I thought to myself, hmm, sounds impressive. He must be the one to beat. And everything was cool until the starting signal went. And at the exact second the starting signal went, his engine died. There was just a few little sputtering attempts to try to get it to go again as everybody else was smashing each other to pieces. Finally, you saw this sad little arm reach out, snap off that little flag, done, before he had even begun. And so it is with the salvation of your soul. So it is with this matter of God's will. Don't bother praying about anything else. Until you've gotten out of that starting block. Don't bother seeking God's will about uh, who, who do you want me to marry God or what career do you want me to have God or anything else. Until you've got that part of his will right. He desires, he wills, it is his will. This is the will of God that you would be saved. And so are you. Have you been born again? Have you called upon the name of the Lord that you might be saved? Have you knelt at the cross and trusted in Jesus Christ? You might be saved. You see, if you can't answer those questions, all those questions in the affirmative, you are already outside of the will of God. Don't need to consider anything else I say this morning. You can fix it. Get in his will right now and turn your heart and life over to Christ. And then you'll be in his will. There's some other things that the Bible says very specifically are his will. For example, First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So your salvation is part of it. Your sanctification is part of it. First Thessalonians 4.3 This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So your sanctification is the will of God. And I would say, based on that passage of Scripture and several others that we could look at, if you're engaging in sexual sin, you are outside of the will of God. Absolutely, without question. If you are looking at pornography, if you are dabbling in any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage, then you are not in the will of God. The Bible is as clear about that as it can be. God wants you holy. That passage goes on to say, God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness in verse number 7. He wants you pure. He wants you set apart and set aside for him. That's what the word sanctification means. Set apart from sin and set apart to God. This is the will of God, your 
sanctification. And, and even though that verse uh, singles out sexual sin and makes it very, very plain, I think any sin is also included in that same thought. God wants you holy. Go read the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. That's our standard. That's what we ought to be striving for. None of us can faithfully and completely obey God's law 100% of the time, and we know God's law and keeping God's law is not the way to salvation, but it's the target for our life and how we live. Some people today, I think, are looking for loopholes and structuring their life such that they can only do the very bare minimum with respect to holiness. And that's not God's will. That's not, that's not what he wants. He said, be holy, for I am holy. That's the instruction. So your salvation, your sanctification. Now there's another one that's very plainly stated, and that's your thanksgiving. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. So your thanksgiving is God's will. It's a little easier to digest than the previous one, isn't it? But it's not any easier to do. It's difficult to do. Maybe even harder to do. We sing it. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. We sing, how can I give thanks for the things that you have done for me? Things so undeserved. That you gave to prove your love for me. How can I give thanks? You know, we say it, but it's not always easy to say it, is it? And it's not always easy to be thankful in all things. But there it is in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. James reminds us that we can count it all joy when we're in the midst of trials and tribulations and troubles. That's his will. Paul reminds us that no matter what difficulty we might experience in our life, God is working all things together for good. No matter what we go through, all things work together for good. Our good, no matter what, all things, always. And so we can give thanks. There's always something to be thankful for. It wasn't that long ago I told you about the little old lady who only had two teeth, right? Remember that story? The little old lady had two teeth, and she thanked God every single day that they met. We can thank God for something. How many of you have seen the fellow, and I don't remember his name. I know Sue knows his name because I think she's going to see him. Uh, the, the fellow who's uh, like an evangelist goes around. He has no arms and no legs. See that fellow? And he's always rejoicing and always happy. In the midst of that, I, I, I'm amazed every time I see him. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's another one. You're doing good is the will of God. 1 Peter 2.15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So if there's something good to be done, and you're not doing it, then you are not in the will of God. The Bible is clear, actually, that if that is the case, you're actually in sin. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So are you in the will of God in that matter? Are you actively engaged in doing good in, in good works? I'll just leave that one there for you to think about. There's probably others we could look at, but those are certainly things that are clearly defined in the Bible as being the Word of God. This, or the will of God. This is the will of God. And so we need to ask before we go any further, am I in the will of God where it's clearly defined? Am I living according to His will where He has laid it out so very, very plainly? And it's something we all need to think about. But I'm sure that there are some here today who are saying, yeah, Pastor, that's good. That's all. 
It's all interesting, and I'm striving to living according to God's will in all those areas. But I have this big decision to make. And so how do I make big decisions? How do I decide God's will on those things? Assuming I've got all those foundations covered. Assuming I'm trying to live according to those things that are clearly defined as God's will. How can I find God's will for a decision in my life, for this thing I'm dealing with? And so let me share just a couple principles about that, and then we'll be done. Here's the first one, and perhaps the most important one. God's will always agrees with God's word. Always. 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 The psalmist said, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. God is not the author of confusion. God will never say one thing in his word and lead you into another thing that contradicts that. Never. Ever. Ever. There are many reasons why Christians need to develop the habit of Bible reading. We, we need to develop the habit of Bible reading because we, we, we read it and we learn about it and we understand our Savior and our God. We, we read it to feed our souls and to warm our hearts. We read it so we can share it with others. We also read it so we can understand God's will and we can learn God's will. And none of us are exceptions when it comes to what the Bible teaches. None of us. It applies to all of us. No exceptions. A man comes into his pastor's office, and he sits down before the pastor because he wants to talk to him about the fact that he has decided he's going to leave his wife, and he's going to run off with another woman that he has been having an affair with. Maybe he's been married for years. Maybe he's even been a servant in the Church of Christ, and, but he's met this woman. He's going to throw away his marriage and run into the arms of, of this woman. And he says to his preacher, I know God doesn't want me unhappy, Pastor. And I feel like I have God's blessing on this. This is truly something that I've heard before. And, of course, the first thoughts that come to mind are things like bunk and nonsense and ridiculous and hogwash because that's what that is. It's the enemy's old ploy, old as the Garden of Eden, of getting us to think that God's word is not what was, or God didn't say what he said in his word, or, or, or maybe even if he did say it, it somehow doesn't apply to us. Yea, hath God said, Satan whispered to Eve. First of all, we have to ask ourselves the question, does God really want us to be happy? Where does it say that in the Bible? Can you find that in your Bible? I'd like you to see it. I'd like to see it. Bring it up here, if you can find that in your Bible, because... The fact is, it's not there. He wants you rejoicing. He wants you experiencing the joy of the Lord. Joy and happiness are two different things. Joy is something that we have that is based on our standing in Christ and what we have in Jesus Christ is a fruit of the Spirit. But happiness, happiness is something that's based on our circumstances. We're not always happy. I've been through some very unhappy moments in my life. And I bet if I went around and pulled this room, that would be the case as well. Was Job happy in his circumstances? How about Daniel when he was surrounded by lions, slobber dripping off their sharp teeth? What about David when he spent years living in the wilderness fleeing from Saul who was trying to murder him? Was he happy? What about Stephen as the stones started bashing into his face as he became the first martyr for Christ? Was he happy? How about John when he was forced to live in exile on the Isle of Patmos? Was he happy? And what about the hundreds and thousands or perhaps millions of martyrs down through the history of the church? In the last hundred years, there's been more people martyred for the Lord Jesus Christ than at any other time in history. What about them? Were they happy in those particular moments? 
We need to get it straight. Happiness is not promised to us. It's not always God's will for us. Sometimes God, in his infinite wisdom and plan, intends difficulties or pain or struggles or trials or, or sickness or even death for us. Because he knows right. He knows best. And we might find ourselves in such states and, frankly, not be happy about it at all. But still, be in God's will. So this fellow who justifies leaving his wife because he thinks God doesn't want him to be happy, is wrong on that count alone. But he's wrong on another count as well, and an even more important account. And that is, he's trying to make uh, something that, he's trying to make something God's will that is plainly contrary to what God has already revealed in his Bible. Here's what the Bible says, guys, if you're contemplating any such thing. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 that husbands are taught to love their wives. There's no qualifier on that. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I've not yet seen a translation of the Bible that says, Husbands, love your wives if she makes you happy. Have you seen that in there anywhere? It's not there. Husbands, love your wives. No exceptions. No excuses. Our personal experiences do not trump what the Word of God says. The fact is, God's will for us as husbands is to love our wives. And there's nothing that changes that. Absolutely nothing. On the, on, on the same note, ladies, here's your Mother's Day sermon. Are you ready? The Bible also says, very, very plainly, wives, submit to your husbands. doesn't say if he makes you happy. doesn't say if uh, you like doing it. It says do it. See, here's the thing. God's will will never contradict God's word. And we are always going to be closest to being in his will when we're closest to being in his word and doing what the word says. And so, that's the way we ought to live. God's will never contradicts God's word. You're trying to figure out something, that's where you start. Get in the Bible. And if there's something there, a principle there, uh, that's what you need to follow. If you think he's leading you in some way that contradicts that, you're, you're wrong. Tell Satan to take a flying leap, because it's not right. Here's another uh, thing. Seek it in God's word, but then there's another principle I would suggest you follow. You need to seek God's will on your knees. Jesus taught this in his model prayer, Matthew chapter 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he modeled it in his own tortured prayer at Gethsemane when he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We need to pray and ask God to show us his will. Pray that we would be in his will. Paul prayed that his travel plans would be in God's will. Romans chapter 1, he said, Making request, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Epaphras prayed that other believers would continue in the will of God. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And so we all need to pray. Lord, what is your will? We all need to pray, Lord, what is your will for my life? I think one of the greatest examples of this is Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, who was on the Damascus Road, and he met Jesus face-to-face on Damascus Road. And his very first words, his very first words as a Christian, after he looked his blinded eyes into the face of Jesus, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That was his first prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do? So we need to ask him, we need to do it often, what is your will for me today, ought to be how we start each day.
And by the way, the Holy Spirit helps us in this. There's a, a wonderful verse in Romans chapter 8. It says, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So you add your prayers for God's will to the Holy Spirit's prayers for God's will. It's going to be a good thing. Here's another principle. You need to be willing to do it. You need to be willing to do God's will. Second Corinthians 8, 5, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. We need to be willing to do it, and we need to be willing to do it with all our heart, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so you've got to ask yourself the question, are you willing to do the will of God? You're seeking it, you're praying about it. When he shows it to you, are you willing to do the word of God? A fellow by the name of Walter Knight told a story one time. It was about this old Scottish woman who went from home to home across the countryside. She was selling thread and buttons and things to make a little living. She had this interesting habit. When she would come to an unmarked crossroad, she would toss a stick into the air. And uh, whichever direction the stick pointed when it landed was the direction in which she would go. And one particular day, a fellow was watching, and he saw her going down the road, and she came to a crossroad, and she threw the stick in the air and landed on the ground. She picked it up, and she threw it in the air again. <laughs> landed on the ground, she picked it up and threw it again. Did this three or four times, and so he walked up to her, and he said, What are you doing throwing the stick in the air so many times? And she said, Because it keeps pointing left, and I want to go right. <laughs> Have you ever told God, You will do His will, no matter have you ever said, Lord, whichever way that stick points, I will go? You have to be willing to do his will. The old song says, it may not be on the mountain's height or over the stormy sea. It may not be at the battle's front, my Lord will have need of me. But if by a still, small voice he calls to paths I do not, love, do not know, I'll answer, dear Lord, with my hand in yours. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, or mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said that? Have you ever knelt here and said, Lord, whatever, wherever, whenever, however you want me to serve, I will do it. You see, we need to be willing. We need to be surrendered. And it needs to be real. When, the, when Saul of Tarsus... Those, that first prayer that he uttered when he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? He was flat on his face, flat on his back. And there was no doubt whatsoever. If we really want to know and do the will of God, that must be our level of surrender too. And so, there's some principles. And now here's the final principle. Let's assume all those things are in place. Let's assume all those, you're doing all those things that, that the Bible plainly says and you've, you've sought it in the word of God and you've prayed about it and you're willing to do it and all those things. You want to know what the next principle is? Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. You see, if you are a Christian, and if you are not violating one of the areas God has already stated is his will for you, and if you have consulted the word of God and prayed about the will of God, and if in your heart of hearts you know that you have and are totally surrendered, willing to do whatever God desires, then just do what you want to do. And you'll be in the will of God. It may be that in your seeking God through, through the scriptures or in prayer, there may be some kind of actual activity revealed to you, but God might do that. And if so, then do that. 
But if he doesn't, do what you want. Do what you want. You'll be in the will of God. Choose the job you want. Pursue the woman you want, the man you want. Buy the car you want. Do what you want. Because if all of those other things are in place, and that's a big if. That's a big if. If all of those other things are in place, then you're in the will of God. And you will not go astray in your decision making. Now, some Christians, of course, put what they want ahead of God's will, and they err. But when your will is subservient to his will, do what you want. And Paul's an example of that, too. I love this. Several times we see things like this. He said uh, in Titus chapter 3, When I send Artemis to you or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. I have decided, he said. And he could say that because he knew he was in the will of God. When you're surrendered, when you're seeking, when you're sure of the word's teaching, then you're free to use your mind and make a decision. George W. Truett said, To know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To do the will of God is the greatest achievement. And so one more time, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The last recorded words of Richard Baxter, who was a Puritan divine, a Puritan pastor. He said, Lord, what thou wilt, where thou wilt, and when thou wilt. May that be our prayer. Father God, we're thankful, and we pray this is helpful. And we just ask, Lord, for just as, uh, as Baxter prayed right there, Lord, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. We pray that each of us would know it. We pray especially that each, each of us would know that we're in your will with respect to our soul, with respect to salvation. I pray, Father, today, if there's even one who hasn't got out of the starting blocks there, oh, Father, help him today. I pray the Holy Spirit would get hold of him. We give invitation after invitation, and we, we hold out uh, the, the offer of salvation. And Lord, I pray this would be the day that uh, some here would say yes to Jesus and the gift of salvation. May they know that there is no will of God for them that extends beyond that until they've gotten there. And then, Lord, I pray if there are others who are, who are going through things, who are, who are trying to decide on, on certain areas of life, who are facing decisions, I pray that these things are helpful and Maybe, Lord, there needs to be some prayer about those things. And I pray, Father, if there's anybody here today who's, uh, who's living in a way that is clearly described in Scripture as being out of the will of God, you help them this day to repent and to confess it and to forsake it and to live for you. May we all, Father, know your will. May we seek your will. May we understand your will. Most of all, may we do it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.